Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Thank you for listening to the Late Breaking F1 podcast. Make sure to look out for new episodes every Thursday and Grand Prix Sundays. Hello and a very warm welcome. This is the Late Breaking Formula One podcast. Harry joining me today. We've got some really juicy topics that we're going to get involved in. I'm sure you'll find a way to um, go all the way around a topic without concluding anything. But That is my speciality. So... (laughs) Of course, I'm joking. Um, We're going to be talking about who we think should be taking the second Williams seat alongside George Russell in 2020 and also about the bonus point. Now we've had a bit of time, bit of exposure to it. There's been a survey recently that has apparently said that people love it. We'll be talking about how effective it has been. But first of all, IndyCar. Now, this is related to Formula One, so don't think that this is going to go off into a full IndyCar podcast, but... Miracle. (laughs) <laughs> the IndyCar series has come to an end in 2019. Joseph Newgarden winning his second championship. And it got us thinking, which of the current IndyCar drivers we would like to see in Formula One? Now, of course, this used to happen much more back in, say, the 60s, uh, but due to a number of factors, including the length of the Formula One season now, don't see it very often at all. So, Harry, who would you most like to see within the IndyCar world to come over to Formula One? I would like to see. There are a number number of drivers I'd like to see. Um, Willpower one because he's a decent driver and got a great name. Imagine he that. Does have an exceptional name. Willpower has the willpower to win. Uh, yeah, Willpower. Uh, Scotty <laughs> D. He'd be on my list to come over as well. I think both of them. I think didn't Scotty D. Test um test an F one car at some point a while ago, a long time ago maybe. Yeah, yeah was it was it Williams or a yeah. I'm sure it's BMW powered. Yeah, add a BMW in it. Let's say just leave it at yeah. that. And um, yeah, so Scott Dixon, Will Power, um, Jason Newgarden. I think if you're a double champ, then you you're definitely worthy of coming over to F1. Um, who else would I like? Alexander Rossi. We've technically seen in F1, but that kid's got a lot of talent. <laughs> Can I say Takuma Sato? If if you would like to see Takuma Sato in F1 again, you can say him. I mean, he's still winning races. But the guy, <laughs> the guy's like eighty-two years old now, <laughs> and still winning races. Let's just yeah. get that. Um, yes, they'd be top of my list. Who else would I pick up from there? Not Santino Ferrucci. Sos- well, that, that's something. I mean, Felix Rosenquist, and he counts from the Formula E and IndyCar world, but he's definitely got the talent to be in there. Funka, a lot of talented guys in there. Marcus Ericsson. <laughs> get a get old Marky Eck. Can make it big in F one one day. That guy. All right, let me make it tough for you. You can only take one driver. All right, okay, fine. Oof. Out of everyone there. Yep. I think I'd go Scott Dixon. That's tough, though, because I think either him or Will Power would be my top two. But I think Scotty D. Yeah. I'll take Scotty D. And I think there's a good case for both Dixon and Power because they have been... They actually have the the record tied 
for the most wins at circuits in IndyCar history. Um, of course, you know, some of the some of the circuits are oval, some are circuits, but Will Power and Scotty Dixon are both very good on circuits. So theoretically, they would transition quite well into the Formula One world. Um, my choice, though, is not going to be either of them. As much as I would like to see both of those guys involved, I am going to go for someone who has albeit limited experience in formula one which seems weird that we've got this massive control with this situation and i'm going to go for someone we've already seen in formula one but alexander rossi i really think he would be it would be great to see more of him in formula one and of he raced what five times back with uh with manor oh god manor just just good time. memories are flooded back, you know, replacing Roberto Merry for a few races. But he showed really good potential in what was a terrible car. I think he outperformed Will Stevens, another legendary name, um, in nearly all of the races that they did alongside each other. I think it was only one that Will Stevens beat him at. So Alexander Rossi, without a good car, without a lot of time, very quickly adapted to the world of Formula One and did a really good job. And his... F1's loss is IndyCar's gain because he has been a real revelation within the sport and he's been very unlucky not to win a championship in the limited time he's had over in the States. He was second last season, third this season. He's already won an Indy 500, so he's already putting together something of a career. Um, and I'm sure that'll only continue because he does have years on the likes of Power and Dixon, who are both late 30s now. Rossi, of course, quite a bit younger. So I think he's going to be a star of IndyCar for years to come. And he's a personality as well. He's he's a good mixture of good-humoured and just a really fiery competitor who who isn't afraid to say what they think and just wants to go out there and win at whatever the cost. So I'm going to go with Rossi. Good choice. I'd like to see. Have you seen that um, JB is off to do a DTM race as a guest, as a guest of the super gt championship in japan they should do that in f1 and vice versa let's have a let's have a guest race where you go yeah yeah i know f1's got all sorts of problems but have a guest driver coming from indycar and then a guest driver go over to to indycar from f1 that'd be good fun to see just for a one-off race like i don't know last race of the season or monaco well, not monaco but you know what i mean it'd be good it, to see yeah absolutely it does open up a wider debate of how there is still a good deal of integration between a lot of motorsport series. Uh, you know, Formula E and uh, and WEC, they have a fairly good. You know, there are a number. There have been drivers who have done both of those, and uh, Rob, Robin Frines has done Formula E and DTM. But there, Formula One is kind of cut adrift, and that there isn't really a lot of opportunity for the F1 guys to go out there and do other races because because the calendar is so congested, and because it is almost a twelve month deal. Um, do you think that perhaps we have spoken about limiting the number of races on the calendar before? Do you think that that is a bit of a detriment in that respect? Do you think that there should be more opportunities for these guys to go out there and do other other forms of motorsport? Yeah, uh, definitely. And I think also part of it is you've got team bosses in F1 who don't want their drivers going off and doing the dangerous Indy 500. They don't want to go on overalls. I think you've got Max Chilton, who he only does road uh so street and um road courses that in indycar so he doesn't have we should have something like that where you don't have to do all the events or something or 
Yeah, it, it is a limiting factor for F1 drivers to go out having so many races to attend. And we see, you know, if you want to do the Indy 500, the past couple of years, it's been on the, well, the past three or so years, it's been on the Monaco GP weekend. So, you know, if you get Lewis Hamilton or Sebastian Vettel or whoever fighting for a championship, potentially, you can't just go missing the, the Monaco Grand Prix because you want to do the Indy 500. So, yeah, there needs to be some more coordination on calendar days and perhaps, yeah, F1's very long 22 race calendar now is is not helping that yeah because of course you know indycar is done for the season and it's a full two months until formula one will be done so and there aren't that that few many uh fewer races in indycar compared to formula one but yeah i, I really feel as if there's a missed opportunity here because it is great to see all of the Formula One guys go out there when on the very rare occasion they go and do stuff. You know, when Nico Hulkenberg went and did 24 Hour of Le Mans and Fernando Alonso, when he goes over to and does the Indy 500, interest in the Indy 500 in this side of the pond, it skyrockets. You remember when he, he did the race a couple of years ago and interest went through the roof. And I'm not saying that uh, without that kind of interest, it, it's not a good race or without that interest... Um, you know, it, it's it's to its fault. But being able to captivate a, a greater audience and a wider audience is surely what they should be doing. And there just needs to be there needs to be better cooperation because liking Formula One doesn't necessarily mean you have to bail on all other forms of motorsport. It, it's not a an us versus them kind of thing. It's there are a number of weeks within a year. If you know, even if Formula One is taking up twenty-two of them, you've still got so many others that you can work calendars around. So, so guys can do more than, than just one series. I can understand it, obviously, from a team's boss's perspective, why they don't want that to happen. Um, Alonso's case was a little bit different because there wasn't, you know, a lot to fight for, um, and they had a very suitable replacement, of course, um, for the Monaco Grand Prix. But yeah, it's um, it feels like a little bit of a missed opportunity um, and sort of transitioning on. We spoke about IndyCar drivers would like to see an F1. Are there any Formula E drivers you would like to see an F1? Again, maybe on some cases. Eduardo Martara, of course, <laughs> top of my list. Um, who would I like to see? The thing is, from Formula E, a lot of drivers and it's been described as an F1 dumping ground, which it kind of is in, in some way. But not because these drivers lack any talent for the most part it's just because f1 is the you know the piranha the piranha fish game whatever they call it the piranha club um yeah so formula has had a lot of ex f1 drivers in it i mean jev he absolutely springs to mind he shouldn't have been kicked out of f1 when he was and he's gone to formula e and proven his worthiness as a driver um so he's definitely near the top of my list. Who else would I put in from Formula E? Um, I'm trying to think of Sam Bird. <laughs> Get old Sam Bird. I don't think I'd put Sam Bird in. Good driver, but not quite. Uh, although he does love a late-breaking manoeuvre, which i got a lot of time for. Um, I mean, Boemi, again, arguably another driver that shouldn't have been done. These are all just ex-Red Bull drivers I'm listing off here. Yeah, true. Um, I'll go for Vern. He'll be my choice for now. I think that makes the most sense. So, you know, Vern, in a championship which is so hotly contested and there are a number of drivers who are taking victories, Vern has still, under those circumstances, been able to rise above the pack and win a couple of championships. So I think I would agree with you. And also because of the manner of his exit. Um, 
he was he was picked. He wasn't picked, obviously, with Kvyat involved as well, even though Vern did have more points than Kvyat at the time. Of course, Kvyat was a few years younger, which is perhaps why they went that way. Um, but Vern did very little wrong. I'm always I'm always a big advocate for Vern going back to Formula One and getting another chance because you look at his record against Daniel Ricciardo, someone who is looked upon very favourably in F1, a guy who went and beat Sebastian Vettel. A couple of years before he beat Sebastian Vettel, he was pretty much neck and neck with Jean-Éric Vern. I think across their time together, they had almost identical points. I think Ricciardo beat him by a point or something ridiculous like that. So, yeah, Vern is immensely talented um, and... I don't think he deserved to get kicked out of, of F1. But at the same time, from Jeff's perspective, he could go back to Formula One maybe and, and forge some sort of career. But is that worse off than him I winning championships in go. Formula E? Yeah, that's, that's a fair point. A lot of the drivers, I reckon, who wouldn't want to go back. And Jeff took, you know, quite it's quite a, a mental hit as a driver. He was chosen. He wasn't chosen um, above Danny Rake for the Red Bull seat. And then... Within a year, this young upstart called Max Verstappen comes along and nicks his F1 seat entirely, um, and that's 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 going to take a bit of a blow to your self confidence as a driver. So he's gone away, gone off to Formula E, and rediscovered his mojo. Would he want to go back? I bet there's lots of F1 drivers, ex F1 drivers in the Formula E field in particular, who would say, "No, thank you. I'd like I like this sport more." And arguably, it's more equal in Formula E than it is in Formula 1. So why would they want to go to a sport that's quite so polarised in performance? Yeah, and to really add on to the point we made earlier, being involved in Formula E does give you the flexibility to go off and do other things, as as we've seen with the likes of Buemi going and winning championships in two disciplines. So, yeah, um, I, I, I agree. I think there are plenty that, that would turn it down. Um to close the book on that one, of course, John Edward Vern was your answer and it was my answer too. But if you had to pick someone who has never appeared in Formula One, who would it be from Formula E? Um, I was going to say Lotto then, but then, damn it, I forgot. Yeah, not quite. <laughs> not even a race, he did a few laps at Spa. <laughs> um, who else would I pick? Uh, Antonio Felix da Costa he's mm. another one I think I put in he's got a lot of talent and probably should have made it to F1 in the first place to be honest yeah yeah Franz yeah another good one true I think both of them would would forge a, a fairly successful career I think both of them are solid drivers I think Sam Berg was maybe a little unlucky not to get yeah he got he was caught well. up in because he was in the mid- like Braun and then Mercedes young driver junior program, but was kind of always overlooked, wasn't he? Well, uh, I think he came up at the wrong time, really. I think we've seen very recently, and this is this is to F1's credit in a way, how it's transformed. Because if you look at the rookies who came in this season, they finished first, second and third in the F2 championship. So they're getting there on merit and merit alone. Um, whereas the time when Sam Bird sort of emerged in, in GP2 was 2012 or so, when a lot of teams who weren't doing too well in terms of funding were, were often going for pay drivers ahead of guys who finished at the top of the, of 
the GP2 championship. I think Sam Bird, I think he finished second in GP2. Um, and the, the top three that season, I don't think ever got a look in in Formula One. And you think if that happened a few years later, maybe they do get a chance. But yeah, I think I, I don't know how successful Sam Bird would be in Formula One. But I think he, he can at least have a case to say he deserved a chance at the time. Yeah, agreed. So moving on to Williams. Of course, George Russell is confirmed for 2020. And of course, Robert Kubica is confirmed not to be there. So that leaves one seat for them to play with. And the question is, who are they going to go for? Most of the uh, questions on the grid have already been answered. This is one that is still outstanding. Um, Harry, if you were in control of Williams, George Russell in one seat, who's in the other? Uh, it's a tough one because I would have said Latifi, but I don't know if he whether whether he's a done deal or not. To be honest, because he didn't he hasn't won the F two championship and he's been going at it a little while. Although arguably so is Nick De Vries. Um, yeah, he didn't win it this year. But then again, who else are their options? They could put Hulkenberg in the car, but that's the case of I don't think Hulkenberg would want to be in the car next year. Um, if 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 I had a choice of three drivers right now in F1, I would go for Nico Hulkenberg, but I'd expect to be rejected. <laughs> I'd expect to be rejected by by his management team. Um, he's who I'd put in the car. Whether they they would go for that, I don't know. Well, maybe they already have, and it seems like Hulkenberg's already turned down um, Haas. So yeah, I don't know on that one. But yeah, he's the one I pick. Don't think he'd go for it though. Yeah, and I, I think it's fairly clear at this point with announcements that have happened in the past that it doesn't matter who we say because it will be announced just before this video goes live. I mean, um, with the Ocon Hulkenberg one, it got announced on the dot. We were bang on. <laughs> Impressive stuff, wasn't it? Um, I think you're right in what you say about Nico Hulkenberg in terms of he is definitely the most talented option Williams have. It's more a case of you know, would, would Nico Hulkenberg want to go to Williams? Um, I'd say Williams is Nico Hulkenberg's last chance saloon if he wants to stay in Formula One. But I don't think necessarily Hulkenberg wants to stay in F1 at all costs. I think Hulkenberg knows that there are options outside of F1 um, that are perhaps better than the Williams drive because we can't forget how bad they have been the last two years. And there's no real reason to think they will be dramatically improving next year. You know, did you what... see, sorry, did you see why they retired Kubica's car from the Grand Prix, by the way? Oh, parts for next race. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my dear, dear life and days. Yeah, I, we're such a shambles, isn't it? Someone, uh, I saw someone comparing it to the final days of Tyrrell the other day. And the, oh, no. I, yeah, I can't. There are definite similarities between the two. Hopefully it doesn't go in exactly the same direction as that. Um, but yeah, do, you know, do does Hulkenberg want to take it? And also, if even if Hulkenberg does want to stay in F1, and he would do even at Williams, uh, of course, it'd be a return to the team for him. Is he worth it? Because Hulkenberg's going to come at a hefty price. You know, he's not going to he's not going to go there for a, a deal similar to Russell, where Russell is not getting paid much because of his age at the moment. Um, and if that Williams is going to be bad, regardless of who's driving it, then it's just going to be wasted money on their part. So, you know, maybe Williams wouldn't want Hulkenberg and would see that the money that they would spend on him could be better, better utilized on the car itself to make it to make it a bit better for Russell to use. Um, you say about Latifi, um, I agree with the 
sort of concerns about him. He's been at it for a while in F2. He's only just gotten towards the top. Of course, he's 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 in and around first place, but he's not obviously won the championship. De Vries has won that honour. Um, I'm going to throw another name into the hat, and this is this might actually be my selection. How about a return for Sergei Sorokin? I I don't think Sorokin did all that bad last year. I think he probably did enough to earn another year at it. Okay, he he wasn't great, but he also wasn't. If you look at if you look at the performance of Kibitza this year, you'd say, well, maybe they should have kept Sorokin in. Yeah, I I I think Sorokin did enough to deserve uh, another one. Of course, he's um he's involved in Renault at the moment, but um, he, Renault he has enough. Beforehand, I don't think that would make much yeah. Exactly. I don't think that would make much of a difference. So, I, yeah, I think there's a serious case to say Sorokin should go back in that seat. Yeah, and I think another thought, if you have a Latifi-Russell lineup, I know Russell will have done a year, but that's not a lot. Mm. That's, a, that's, a, that's a young, inexperienced lineup. It may not be young, but I don't know how, how old Latifi is now. But, um, yeah, that's an inexperienced F1 driver lineup, which is not what they need. They need... Let's get Massa out of retirement again. No, um, yeah, you, I don't know. They need that. I suppose the experience of Kubica would have helped them this year, but his speed hasn't, that's for sure. Mm. And do you know what the situation is with Latifi's dad and McLaren? Is is that still a is that still a thing? I, I haven't really heard anything about it for a while. No, I don't know. Is Latifi no? What does Latifi's dad do? Is he involved? I, I believe he's a rich man. <laughs> Oh, he's just a rich man. Fine. No, I, I, I thought there was some sort of involvement with him and McLaren. I'm sure someone will. I mean, that's not, that's not going nowhere anyway. Uh, it's not going anywhere fast, is it? That involvement with the bromance that is Norris and Sainz in those two seats. Yeah, exactly. It's about whether he'd have to cut ties, if indeed there are ties there. But it does raise the point. Latifi does come with uh, with a bit of dollar. so And not Williams well. desperately need a bit of dollar to, to invest. So maybe that will sway their decision. Um, moving on to this bonus point this year, obviously introduced one point for the fastest lap. If you're inside the top 10, it was met, I would say, with mixed reaction at the beginning of the year. Um, and there has apparently been a survey recently um, that has concluded that people love the bonus point. Harry, do you agree with that? Right. What people have they been asking this? Because as <laughs> a sample survey of two people and it's the surveyor's mum Case Carey and, and wife. yeah exactly it could be those two doing the survey I can't no can't fathom that I don't know where they found the word love from the bonus point we were we were sceptical about it I think before the season and we said it could work you know an opportunity could arise where you know a smaller team could get that fastest lap point but um Actually, K-Mag got fastest lap last time out, but he wasn't in the top 10, correct? Correct. Yeah. Right, so then you get that situation. Well, yeah, two two races ago, but yeah. Sorry, yeah, in Singapore is what I meant. Um, yeah, the majority of the time this year, it's been the person in sixth place or the leader who's just so quick, normally Hamilton, um, who bangs in the fastest lap. He either gives the winner 26 points or he gives sixth place an extra point on top of that. I've not cared. To be honest, and maybe it'd be different if the championship's closer, and you had the two championship rivals trade trying to trade for fastest laps. So I can see how, in theory, that that could have made it exciting, but the championship we've had this year hasn't been like that, and therefore this it's made that that rule just 
void, irrelevant. I don't care about it at every race. So don't know what they're talking about with that. Don't agree with love. Just don't care. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same position, really. At the start of the year, I was on the fence about it. I didn't really care one way or the other. And to be honest, that opinion hasn't really changed up until now. It's not as if it had its initial kind of buzz about it in the first couple of races where it was a a shiny new toy. Um, And since then, it's been there. Has it really contributed much to each race? Not really. Um, I, I guess in sort of dead end races where there isn't going much going on in the last few laps, it's something to look out for. But you, like you say, it's just you, you've only got about five drivers who can realistically get that fastest lap unless it's some a really abnormal case like Singapore. Um, and it's either going to be that first place guy or a guy who has enough of a enough of a gap to go and get that fastest lap. And yeah, I I think you're right in that if the championship was closer, maybe there would be more emphasis um you know on getting this point or an extra point or so. But it's because it's not worth that much at all. You can't really expect people to care a huge amount for it, which I'm surprised why people say they love it. Essentially, across the season, if you get every single fastest lap point without fail you're still not getting a race win. So, and that's, you know, that's with absolutely no errors whatsoever. Um, You know, they're not going to turn down a point, obviously. That's great. But if it was worth a bit more, then people would probably care more. Um, I'm surprised that people say they love it. I don't dislike it. I just, it just, it's there. It doesn't really do much for me. (laughs) It just exists. It's, yeah. I, I, if Sam was here, I'm sure he'd have even stronger views than we do, but, yeah, I don't care if they drop it for next year. It's made no difference to my life. <laughs> I reckon it's here to stay. But it, it does. There is something interesting because there's this whole thing about apparently fans loving this bonus point, and then there's a the whole thing about reverse reverse grid qualifying where it was perhaps received a little negatively by fans, and Sky were asked not to really speak about oh, it. Yeah, it's over. That's is great. it? Are we heading a bit towards that kind of trying to make things seem as if they're much better than what they are? Yeah, but then I feel like we've always had that in in some way. <laughs> Imagine come on, Bernie saying everything is fine all the time. Um, it is like that meme of the character with the the cup of yeah. tea in the in the fire. I'm, people who know the meme will understand that. But... Yeah, it's like when we still continue to go to bar or we, we were going to Bahrain and there was you know war war raging and Bernie says it's you know it's fine everything is fine um yeah maybe we are even more so now and maybe that's the not to annoy or offend anyone but maybe that's the American influence of just gonna make it look all rosy um yeah I don't know that was odd the sky thing to to not to ask them not to talk about it it's a bit bit controlling bit dictator like um whether there's much truth in that i don't know but um true yeah, yeah a, a strange one so maybe they're realizing they've not got these rules sorted out and as hamilton points out the other day that the you know like the qualifying race is just an excuse and a, a way to cover up the flaws in their in their future plans which have been promised to be so good but who knows we'll have to see maybe qualifying races will come in and everyone will absolutely bloody love it and we'll be sat here going do you remember that time we said qualifying races will be garbage? Well, we were stupid and wrong, which happens a lot. 
It's it just... does happen a lot. Yeah. I am sticking to my guns, by the way, on from reverse <laughs> screw qualifying. I'm not for it whatsoever. But like you say, we might well be corrected. Before I get into an absolutely massive rant about that, because trust me, there is a very high likelihood that could happen. Um, I think we better better end the video here. So make sure to subscribe, like the video and get in the comments. Obviously, let us know what you think on all the topics that we've discussed. Um, and you can like all of our socials as well. We're on Twitter, we're on Facebook and we're on Instagram. So get on all three of those. Until the next video, I've been Ben Hocking. And I've been Harry Eve. And remember, keep breaking late. Sports Social Podcast Network.